God is amazingly good. It is so good to see you here, and I am honored that you would come and listen to me today, and I want to give you a word that I believe God has for us. I want to share with you what I believe today is the pearl of great price and the hidden treasure. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about these two things. And let me just begin by telling you how valuable and important you are to God. Do you believe that? You are so valuable and so important to God. God created you for this hour and this time for now with what's going on in the world, with all of the wrong and all of the darkness, and darkness is getting darker and darker. But He's created you to be a light in a dark world, and He created you to partner with Him at this time. God created you because He wanted to do two things. He wanted to partner up with you to do something special on earth, and He wanted to love on you. And that's why we're here, so He can love on us and so He can partner up with us to do something special in this dark world in which we live. Okay, now before I read from Matthew 13, I want to remind you of a verse that Jesus began His ministry with in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. You don't have to turn there, just let me share it with you. Jesus began His ministry with these words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in our evangelical circles today, the word repent usually carries with it the idea of being sorry for your sin. And that is true. That's one reason we do the repenting. But the real meaning of the word repent, the Greek word for repent, means to change the way you think. Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You live in the kingdom of this world by the prince of the power of this world. And that's the world we were born into and that's the world we grow up into. But Jesus came bringing a different kingdom and he said, repent, change the way you think now because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of seeing life. This morning, a dear lady talked about uh, Jesus, uh, Peter stepping out on, on the water and walking. We can do the impossible in the kingdom of God. Peter did walk on the water. That is impossible in this kingdom of this world. But in the kingdom of God, it's not impossible. So he stepped out there and did the impossible, and we can step out there and do the impossible. Let's just keep our eyes on Jesus when we step out there to do the impossible. But it can all be done because the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here. It's now. And the impossible is possible for those who will believe and trust the Lord. When Jesus said, uh, if you only believe, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. I believe he meant that literally. If the Lord told you to move that mountain and said it to you and you believe him and you believe that you can do it, then you can speak to that mountain and it would move and be cast into the sea. The impossible becomes possible in the kingdom of God. Now with that in mind, go into Matthew chapter 13 and Jesus is telling some stories about the kingdom. He's relating the kingdom. He talks about the all kind, several different parables here, but we're in chapter 13 beginning at verse 44 he said again the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field so the kingdom of heaven is is hidden from 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 this world it's hidden and, and it needs to be sought out but so when this man found found that treasure he was willing to sell everything he had he got rid of everything he had and, and bought that field. Now verses 
45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking. Everybody say seeking. It's like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So it's something that's hidden. The kingdom of heaven is something that's hidden. And the kingdom of heaven is something that needs to be sought. So if you will seek it, you will find it. This is the promise of Scripture in many places. If you will seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find Him. So seek this thing, and, and if you want it, you can have it. How many of you want the kingdom of heaven? Amen. Sure you do. Then start seeking it. Start looking for it. it, it it's hidden away, but God makes it easy to find if you'll really look for it. You were created to be loved by God, as I told you a few moments ago, because God's original plan was not creation. God didn't, I know the Bible begins, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but that was not God's original plan. God's original plan was redemption of mankind. Because it says, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. He was slain, a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So the plan was for redemption. Creation was just what God had to do to carry out the plan of redemption where God would reveal to the world how much He loves everybody, that He would send His own Son that whoever would believe in Him would never die but have eternal life. What an amazing God. So the hand of God is seen in creation, but the heart of God is seen in redemption. So we were created to be loved by God, and the sending of His Son is proof of that coming out to us. So as I begin to uh, unfold for you here what I believe the pearl of great price is, let me begin with a, uh, with a verse of Scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Everybody say the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point for wisdom. So if you're going to start seeking, you need a starting point. And the fear of the Lord is the starting point. It's the beginning of wisdom. And, and, the under, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's why I love Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man glory in his riches, but let him whose glory glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I am well pleased, says the Lord. Amen. So don't glory in your knowledge, don't glory in your wealth, don't glory in your position, don't glory in your power, don't glory in any of those things. Here's what you can glory in. Glory in the fact that you understand and know God. That you have sought Him out, that you're looking at Him, that you're putting Him first, as the song said this morning, we seek Him first and His presence is everything. And let's go for His presence in everything we can go for. So search for Him and get to know and, un know and understand God is the greatest wisdom that there is. So notice it says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every good thing or every secret thing whether it is good or whether it is evil. Psalm 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, 
In Psalm 34, 9, O fear the Lord, you His saints, for there is, there is no want to those who fear Him. Learning to fear God. We need an old-fashioned fear of God. It needs to be reestablished. You see, our, our country is losing its fear of God. And there's a great fight out there for the souls of men. And the enemy has come and worked in our school systems to begin to teach evolution as a fact. It's not a fact, it's a theory. And the whole idea is the design of the enemy to take away the fear of God. Because if there is no God, if we just evolve from monkeys and slime, if we're a product of slime plus time, then, then there's no fear of God whatsoever. And we're losing our fear of God as a nation and as a world. And because of it, we're not having wisdom. And so we see, we see things going bad because there's just a lack of fear of God anymore. There needs to be a good old holy fear of God in our lives in what we do. For example, in Rahab, when the children of Israel had crossed the promised land and lived in the wilderness for 40 years now, and they had the opportunity to go on into the promised land, but remember the, the, the 12 spies that were sent out, and 10 came back, we can't go in there, we're, they're giants, and we're just little creatures in their eyes, and fear set on the people, and they didn't go on into the land. 40 years later, they cross into the land, and uh, they send some spies on ahead after, uh, at, 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 to Jericho and different places, and they get in the home of a, of a woman called Rahab, and Rahab tells the spies this, Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. As soon as we heard these things, meaning 40 years ago, she's been talking about how the waters parted and you came across on dry land, and how you took out the, the big kings that were in those lands. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There was, no, there, was, there was no strength or courage left in our hearts melted when we heard what God had done for y'all. So 40 years they wandered in the wilderness uselessly. They could have gone right on in and taken the promised land because there was no, no strength left in the people. They, they knew what God had, had done for them and they were afraid. It says of Jehoshaphat, the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. When the fear of the Lord falls on people and they don't know God, they'll wet their pants, folks. Really, I'm serious. There, there's no strength left. When the fear of the Lord falls on you and you don't know God, it, it, it's a terrible thing. The Scripture says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of of the living God. We need a healthy fear of God in our nation again. We need a healthy fear of God in our own individual lives. God can do all things. But the fear of the Lord is, it was what? It was the beginning of wisdom. Everybody say beginning of wisdom. Now let me, let me share with you a little bit about wisdom before we go any further. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. Get wisdom. Everybody say get wisdom. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, she will preserve you. Love her, she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will honor you when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. That sounds good, doesn't it? 
Proverbs 3, 13 through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all things you may desire cannot compare with wisdom. Nothing compares with wisdom. And this means the wisdom of God and understanding God and knowing God. And then Proverbs 2, 2 through 5. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Does that sound like some good promises? All right. James 1 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. How many of us believe the word today? Well, I want to just stop for a moment and let's just practice what we're preaching here. Let's just cry out for wisdom. If you seek it, if you cry out for it, if you want it above everything else, then he says God will give it to you. So let's all bow our heads right now and let's just begin to cry out. Father, give us wisdom. Would you just say it out loud? Father, give me wisdom. Show me wisdom. I want to know wisdom. I cry out to you, God. You are the living God. I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want to understand life from your perspective. I want to see things the way you have made them to be and reveal truth and wisdom to us, Lord, and show us your ways, teach us your paths, and when necessary, cause us to know how we should walk. We ask for wisdom today, Lord. We ask for wisdom in this message, wisdom in all of life, wisdom in your ways, wisdom in doing what you want done, wisdom in being the people you created us to be, wisdom to understand why you created us and why we're here on this earth, wisdom to know you and all your ways and walk in your spirit in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Okay. Now, let me share with you what I believe the hidden treasure is in the pearl of great price. The fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning point. Fearing God is the beginning point. Knowing that you're going to have to stand before an almighty God who created the universe, who is holy in every way, and you're going to stand in His presence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fulfillment of wisdom? Here's what I believe the fulfillment of wisdom is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowing the extravagant love of God is the fulfillment of wisdom. Knowing the extravagant love of God is the fulfillment of wisdom. It's getting to know God. Fear of the Lord begins the process. There's a God, you go outside at night and you look out, get away from the city lights and you look out into the night sky when it's clear and you can just see forever. They tell us the universe is still expanding, it's still growing. The Hubble telescope is finding new galaxies and new things all the time. With a universe that continues to expand because of a creator God who created it that way, it tells me how vast is the love of God. It just keeps expanding. I believe we're going to spend eternity, and when we've been in eternity, 100 million years of, of, of life, we'll still be grasping the awesome love of God and how wonderful it is, and it'll just keep expanding and keep growing and we will see and see more. So start seeking it now. Start looking for it now. Searching for and understanding how much God loves you. It's wise to fear God who created all things, who has all power, and before whom we will stand in judgment. However, to get to know and understand Him, 
and you will discover how much he really loves you. This is what Christ came to make known. He came to make the Father known. So he said to us in Matthew 22, What's the first and great commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. Love God because he loves you so much. Colossians 2 tells us, Being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Everybody say knowledge of the mystery. To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. See, let this revelation of this Father's Son come real to you. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's this Father-Son relationship in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Seek this relationship with God. God created you to be a father or a daughter to Him in an awesome and a powerful way, and He wants you to know that relationship wonderfully so. All right, with that in mind, I want everybody to turn to Romans chapter 8. Now, if you want to get your theology correct, read and reread and reread and read again the book of Romans. Paul lays out theology every way imaginable in the book of Romans. He talks about the fallen state of man. He talks about the battle that we go through, the flesh and the spirit battle that we go through. And beginning with the 8th chapter, he starts telling us how we overcome the flesh battle. And it's, and it's the Spirit of God living in us. And he, and he carries this 8th chapter on through. And in the 28th verse, he says, And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And God's purpose is for us to understand that He loves us with an extravagant love that is unspeakable and full of glory. So all things, everybody say all things. All things work together for good to those who love God. Now with that thought in mind, let's start in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also free, how shall he not with us with him also freely give us all things? So he didn't spare his son, but gave his son, and if he would give his son, wouldn't he give you everything else you need? Get to know this God is what he's talking about. Verse thirty three. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So when the enemy tries to condemn you and say, you're not worthy of this, you don't deserve this, you're not good enough, or tries to get you to say things like, oh, I wonder if God's mad at me now, I wonder if God's upset with me. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God has justified you. We're completely justified before Almighty God. Who is he who condemns? Who can condemn you? Satan can't condemn you, nobody can condemn you. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow, here's another element. Not only can nothing condemn us, Christ not only does not condemn us, He is in heaven interceding on our behalf for us. Get to know this father-son relationship and what Jesus has done and is doing for you. You know, at three days we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years he's been interceding for us. What an amazing God. So he begins at verse 35, and here's what I really want to get to. Well, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword? Now let me stop before we go into the next three verses here. Look at this verse again. What shall separate us from, or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Nope. How many of you want a good dose of tribulation? Nobody does. Paul is talking about life on earth the way it really is. Somehow in our modern day American Christianity in particular, we've gotten into this area of if you've come to Christ and really, really God loves you, then nothing bad is ever going to happen to you ever again. That is not a biblical teaching whatsoever. The biblical teaching is we live in a fallen world and because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. And a lot of times bad things happen to good people. And don't say, God, did you quit loving me because something bad happened to you? No, you live in a fallen world. And bad things just happen out there in this fallen world. How about distress? Any of you feel a little stress in life from time to time? Shall, shall distress separate you from the love of God? No. Nothing shall separate you from love. How about persecution? We don't have much persecution where we are, but you know we got brothers and sisters in Christ all over this world who are going through severe persecution. We even see, we, we've even seen on the news about this ISIS group of militants cutting the heads off of Christian people. That's persecution, folks. That's real live persecution that's happening in the world. Shall that persecution separate us from the love of God? No. Shall famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, none of these. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Sometimes I think Christianity in America has this idea, I'm going to live forever. I'm never going to die. And if I get sick, oh God, why did I get sick? Or if I get disease, or, or if I get hit by a truck, and, or whatever, God must have been upset with me. No. Live in a fallen world. We need to come to the place in our life, and this is why I say it's the pearl of great price. When you are, have come to the place in your life, you are convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt, you are persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Then you have arrived at what wisdom wanted to bring you to. You are loved by God and nothing shall separate you from that no matter what happens, no matter what takes place in life. So if, so if you go to the doctor and you get the big C word, you got cancer, did God just stop loving you? No, you live in a fallen world and people get diseases and people get illnesses. You'll notice my left hand's trembling up here. The, the doctors are looking at this. We've had an MRI on the brain. They found no tumors and they found no blood clots or anything like that. They're, they're looking for the possibility of Parkinson's disease. I'm praying against that. Amen. I'm coming against it. I'm warring against it. And I'm calling out for God to heal me. But if God's choice is for me to walk through Parkinson's, God will walk through Parkinson's with me. Yes, right. He will never leave me and He will never forsake me. Yes, never. Yes, now I plan to have the victory because you're going to pray for me. And we're going to see the victory over this stuff. But I'm not going to live forever, folks. You see this head of hair? It's white. I used to have coal black hair. People would say, you got the blackest head of hair I have ever seen. Hadn't anybody said that in years to me? 
Oh, and I, I do want to tell you one really good report from my MRI. I do have a brain. <laughs> so whatever we go through, can we be absolutely sure God is going through it with us? There's a friend of mine when I, back when I was pastoring a number of years ago. He came on Sunday morning. Pastor, guess what happened to me? I said, I have no idea. They were going through a little financial crisis. He said, we came home from going out the other night, my wife and I, and as we pulled up to the garage door, he said there was an envelope taped to the, to the garage door. And he said, well, so we got out and got the envelope. There was no note or anything on it, not a word whatsoever. Opened it up, and he said, there's 15 $100 bills in the envelope. And he said, wow, we so rejoiced. It's so good. And I said, well, let me, I said, I rejoice with you, and I'm so thankful, but let me ask you a question. I said, what if you'd have come home and the door of the house would have been ajar and you go in the house and your house has been gutted and robbed of everything there? I said, is God still good? Now you answer for me. Is God still a good God? Because here's the beauty. If God allows you to go through something, God is going to show you something about God you've never seen before. Paul in, Rome, uh, in Acts Chapter 14, verse 22, Paul says to the new Christians at Derby, and he's only in Derby a short time, yet he said he made many disciples there. He told those disciples in, in Acts 14, 22, you shall through much or many tribulations enter the kingdom of heaven. There's something about tribulations that God has designed that will open a door into the kingdom of heaven for you. So if you go through a difficulty in life, God himself has promised to come alongside you and walk you through that situation. The promise of God is not that, that you will never have a difficulty. The promise of God is you can't go through anything, good or bad, but what I'm going to go through it with you. We walk together through these things. I am your God. I am your Father. I am with you at all times. I will never leave you, and I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you, no matter what you're going through. So, let's continue here. Verse 37 of Romans 8. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us so. For I am persuaded, everybody say persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing could separate Paul from this fact. That's why he would go on his missionary journeys and, and all kinds of things happened to him. There was, there was a time he was stoned and left for dead. There was a time he was put in uh, stocks and he was beaten. Uh, all, all kind of, he, he was left in shipwreck. A number of things happened to him. But he never looked at any of those things as though God got mad at him all of a sudden. He looked at those things as these things happen in life. They're out here. And even if you're trying to serve God, you may get put in prison and beat for it, but God is with me and he'll never leave me and he'll not, nothing, I am persuaded, I am persuaded, nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm never going to be shaken off center on that. God loves me no matter what is happening in my life. With that in mind, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll begin at verse 7. Okay, now listen to this. 
we have this treasure, this treasure of, of Christ and, and, and this treasure of, of the Father's love. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's an earthen vessel, folks. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Now, now let, let, let this scripture sink, sink, deep, sink deep into your heart. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Do you feel hard pressed sometimes? But you'll never be crushed as long as you know God loves you. And let nothing shake you. We are perplexed, but not in despair. How many of you found yourself perplexed over life a time or two? Yeah. I have. I have. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Two aspects I want you to understand on verse 10. One is, we are steadily in the process of dying. We're going to die physically, one way or another. Nobody gets off planet Earth alive until Jesus comes. Amen? And then also we need to learn to die to self so Christ can live through us like he should. Verse 11, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. Then in verses 16 and 17, therefore do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Isn't that good? Every tribulation you go through in life is a door into the kingdom of God. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus said. Change your way of thinking. Look at God from life, God's perspective. It's the hidden treasure. It's the pearl of great price to understand that the, begin, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this wisdom and the understanding of the extravagant love of God is the fulfillment of that wisdom. Walk into the fullness of it. That's why Paul and James could talk about glorying in tribulations. Let us rejoice in trib for my brethren can it all joy when you fall into various trials. There's a lot of trials I fell into in my 50 years in the ministry. I just went kicking and screaming through it fussing and arguing and why God did you let this happen until I came to the final place finally in my life God says I will never leave you I will never forsake you and let me give you a personal testimony my most difficult seasons of life is when I've learned most about my God is when he has come alongside and shown me how awesome and how marvelous and how wonderful he is so we need a healthy fear of God he is the creator of the universe, but we also need to understand how much He loves us. Now, I believe God wants all of His children to, to hear Him say to them personally, I love you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Jesus had this to happen to Him on a couple occasions. One was at His baptism. Remember at His baptism, the Spirit descended. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was then that He was able to go and do the ministry. What is the first temptation that Satan gave to him when he went into the wilderness? If you are the Son of God. The Holy Spirit, God had just spoken to him a voice out loud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
when he gets into the wilderness experience, the first temptation of the devil against him is, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Already challenging him on who he really is and on his identity in Christ. My identity for years was wrapped up in being a pastor. I thought I would pastor till the day I die. And some 13, let's see, 14 years ago, almost in the snap of your fingers, I lost the church I was pastoring. And I, and I, and I thought my life was just wrecked completely because my identity was what, in what I was doing instead of who I was. And God had to take these 14 years now of being without a pastorate to teach me that my identity is, is in Him. I am a son of God. And no matter what goes on in life, He will show me and teach me the ways of God and bring to me wonderful truths if I will just listen and seek them and try to find them. Look for the pearl of great price. And when you find it, give up everything you've got to hold on to it and buy it and purchase it with everything that's within you. Uh, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, and the Scripture said, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The day you, were you and I were born again, that day the Spirit of God came to live within us, and that Holy Spirit has been saying in us ever since that day, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, Father, is, it carries with it a twofold idea. Abba is the sound of a little child saying, Daddy. Abba was the, for, for the language they were living in in that day, it was Abba, Dada, Papa, like a little child. It's the faith of a little child in their father. But the father side of it is the understanding like an adult has who understands what a father really does and what a father really is. So we need this Abba, Father understanding that God is my father, he is with me, and I need to trust him like a little child trusts their father. And hold on to God no matter what comes in life or no matter what life throws, on to, throws at you. And if you will hold on to Him and never let go, you will develop and find the pearl of great price and you will find the hidden treasure and you will live and walk it out and you will become a bright light in a dark world. You will shine brightly and you will be an example of others to God. So the pearl of great price is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowing the extravagant love of God is the fulfillment of wisdom. Here's what I am overwhelmed with. That a holy, perfect, flawless, righteous, and all-powerful God would love a fallen, broken sinner like me. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because that's who He is. That's what He does. For God so loved the world, lost world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now Jesus heard on two occasions, You're my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At His baptism and on the Mount of Transfiguration, This is my beloved Son, hear Him. So the Father spoke that to Jesus twice, and that's tw twice is recorded in Scripture. There may have been many other times that Jesus heard those same words from the Father, but I believe we all need to hear those words from the Father. So back in 1994, Wanda and I went to a special meeting in Toronto, Canada, and I was baptized in the Father's love, and I literally heard the Father say to me in those words, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased changed my life it was the beginning of turning me around into doing 
finding this pearl of great price and really discovering it. I had, I, as a, I was, had spoken for a number of years about the love of God, but when I experienced it in that occasion, it changed me forever. And I found the pearl of great price, and I've given everything to walk in that pearl of great price ever since. I want you to experience that. I want you to have that. My wife and I have an anointing. We can pray for people, and they, they can receive a, a, a touch of God, and the door is open for you to receive a, a, an anointing of the Father's love. And we'll, we'll be glad to pray for anybody who wants to come forward here in a few minutes. But first of all, I just want to take a minute, and let's let the Holy Spirit see what He wants to do in this service. Would you bow your heads with me? And close your eyes. We're just going to have, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now and take this message about the pearl of great price and reveal the pearl of great price to us, Lord. We need to hear your voice. We need, we need, we need to know you're speaking to us in this service right now today. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Show us what you're doing. Begin to, begin to move among us in a very powerful, powerful way. I know you're here. I know you love these people with a pure love. And I know you want to manifest your love to us today. Come, sweet spirit. Now, I want you to, as your head are bowed, I want you to ask, I want you to Say to the Father, I want you to do a very relational prayer to the Father. I want you to say, Father, show me how much you love me. Or you can do that another, Father, how much do you love me? Just listen to what the Spirit speaks to you. Ask God, how much do you love me, Father? Show me how much you love me. Let me to see it and understand it. Overcome the barriers that I have put up in life, the lies of this world. Give me truth right now. I want to know truth, God. I want to know how much you love me. I want to know how much you love me. Come right now and baptize me in your love. Come right now and pour out your spirit on me. Baptize me in your love. Let me discover real wisdom. Powerful wisdom, holy wisdom, your wisdom, God, the wisdom of your love and what it can do in my life, and the sweet peace and security it can bring. Come right now and move upon us as only you can, Lord. Let people be baptized in your sweet love today, baptized in the Father's love, overcome with your presence upon us. Raise us up into your presence. Come today, Lord, in a special way. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me?